morning again. You guys still doing good? Man, it is a good Sunday, is it not? It is good. Did you guys sense the presence of God during worship? So good. It's so good to celebrate our kids. I, I love that when we come on Sunday, we just get to turn our attention and our focus on Jesus and just love on him and worship him. And I think that's appropriate. That's really how we should live our life is really most of the time is just focused on Jesus and just his goodness. And for me, that's kind of how I live my life. I, I love being thankful. I love the song. If you didn't know, I, I love different songs, but I love the goodness of God is one of my favorite songs. And another, I got a lot of favorites. I just share them with you. But um, I, I love another song too that um, all my life, he's been faithful. And everywhere I look, I just see his faithfulness. And that's how I want to live my life. And I don't, I want to do something this morning where I'm heading this message this morning is something that I don't want to make necessarily a high point or a recurring thing that we do all the time, but it's something that is necessary. In fact, Paul says this to the Ephesians. He says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant or completely unaware of what the enemy is doing. And I don't want us to spend a lot of time thinking about the enemy and focusing on the enemy and studying like demonology. Like I have no desire. I don't have books on demonology. I don't really care to study all that, but I do want to be aware. He is a deceiver. He is someone who roams around seeking who he may devour. And there's tactics and there's ways that he does things. So scripture talks about him and it says that we shouldn't be unaware. We should know that we're in a spiritual battle. And so this morning, I love that we spent most of our time just worshiping on Jesus. We're celebrating what he's doing in, in our kids' lives. They're graduating. We're sending kids off to share the gospel. These are things I want to spend time, most of the time talking about. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying for this morning, he wants us just to spend a moment just recognizing that we do have an enemy. We have an enemy, right? We have a foe. We have an adversary. We have someone who accuses us, right? All these different names of Satan. And I'm not trying to go through all the names of Satan, but what I want to do is I'll get to the verse. John 10, 10. I think most of us know this, right? Um, John 10, 10. In the New Living Translation, I memorized another translation, says this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, all right? Then Jesus says this. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. So these are in red letters. In your Bible, this is what Jesus is quoted as saying. Jesus is saying there is an enemy. There is a thief. There's someone who likes to steal things from you. There's someone who likes to deceive you and make you not even aware that he's stealing things from you. He likes to kill things. He likes to destroy things, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. So if every good thing comes from him, we have to recognize every difficulty, every struggle we have, I know there is, right, there's, we live in a, a fallen world. We are under the curse where sin entered and things just happen in life, right? But I want us to recognize more and more, I think in the year 2023 in our Western world where we have science, we have technology, we have lots of information, too often we are not aware. We are not mindful. We are ignorant of that the enemy is stealing things from us. And I think Thousands of years ago, even in third world countries, they're very aware of the demonic realm. And I think you and I, we live in a world where we kind of don't give a lot of credence. And I'm glad that we don't give a lot of attention, but I don't want to be ignorant. I want to understand that there's things that are going on. In fact, um, to make this a less, I don't know, scary and a big deal. Um, just as an example, I, I was meeting with some leaders uh, earlier this week and I don't know how it came. Oh, I was playing with my wedding ring. That's how it came up. I was playing with my wedding ring and I dropped it. Like, what are you doing, pastor? And this came out of my mouth. I said, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not my real wedding ring. I lost my real wedding ring. This is like a $30 ring. Like my real one was like a thousand bucks. This is only 30 bucks. If I lose it, I'll go buy another one for 30 bucks. Who cares, right? And as I said that, obviously, I, you in the room, you can see it's obvious. In the moment, it wasn't obvious to me. 
But they're saying, Ryan, pastor, Ryan, are you paying attention to what you're saying? You lost your wedding ring, and where did you lose it? I said, in my backyard somewhere, like eight years ago. I was playing football with my boys, and it came off, and I spent days looking for it. I couldn't find it, so I just went and bought a replacement. And I, eight years ago, I forgot about it. Like, don't even think about it. And they said, you know what? I'm going to pray. that you, they, my, The other leaders in this church said, we're going to pray that you find your ring. And when they said that, it awakened something in me that I didn't even know. I wasn't even praying to find my ring anymore because it was lost. Like, I spent time, I tried, I got a little cheap toy metal detector, and I, I went in my backyard, like, I went through where I was playing, I couldn't find it, like, eight years, you know how many times I've mowed that lawn in eight years? Like, it's nowhere, like, I was not anywhere thinking I could find that ring again. But someone else calling me out, someone else saying they have faith to believe that they're going to pray for it to be found, it awakened something in me. It awakened and said, wait a second, that's my ring. My wife paid for that ring. That's a lot... That's the day she put it on my finger and made it. Like, that has a lot of meaning. I would like to have that ring back. And it stirred something within me to say, wait, I'm going to start believing for a miracle. It would be a ridiculous miracle, but I serve a God who does miracles. And there's something within me. It stirs something within me. And so I just feel like I'm supposed to stir something within you this morning. That there is a thief who it is his purpose to steal. He enjoys, he finds enjoyment stealing from you. And there's things that he's stolen from you that you and I, I've given you that example. We don't even realize he's the guilty one of stealing it from us. And we have a response. I, I just, for me, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I, I was thinking about this. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, I don't have all the, if, the slide, but it's the story of the parable um, of the sower. You guys remember this Sunday school history uh, trivia? The sower. Jesus gives this parable about the sower who threw seed, right? And the first ground it fell on, was hard, it was the path. And what happened to the, the seed that was on the path? The birds of the air came and stole it, right? Stole it. So the birds of the air, it's the enemy. He comes to steal, right? Then the next one, it says that it found ground that, was, that received it, but then the weeds came up with it and choked out or killed the plant. He comes to steal, kill. And the last one, right, it found, well, not the last one, but the third one that it says that it found this shallow ground so it did grow some roots and it sprung up, but then when the sun came out, the sun destroyed what, what growth it had. Then we know the very last one was that it was a good ground, right? And it produced a 30, 100-fold crop. But I wonder how many things God has put into our lives. He's the giver. If you didn't hear that in John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal. Jesus says, but I've come to give. That's Jesus' purpose. His purpose in life is to give you things. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus loves to give away everything he has. He says, in fact, you get to inherit everything that's mine. Everything I earned, everything I deserve, I give it to you freely. Right? So Jesus is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Jesus loves to give us things. Sometimes I feel like I don't deserve to get things. Jesus says, it doesn't matter. It's not, a, it's not a matter of you deserving. It's a matter of me being a good God and I love to give good gifts. And so this is who he is. I, I remember I quoted this before in a sermon past, but from, um, not Princess Bride this time, from the Pirates of the Caribbean, right? And it's the very first one. To me, there's, there is no other ones. I just like the first one. Um, I don't like the rest of them. But uh, the first one's really good. And in the first one, there's that princess or she's, I don't know, the, the, the father that has all the money on the island where they're at. I don't know how to explain it all. He's the Commodore or whoever he is. I don't know. And, and he says, he buys her a new dress. And she says, well, what's this for? 
And he says this line, does a father need a reason to dote on his daughter? Does the father need a reason to dote on his sons and daughters? He doesn't need, it's just his good pleasure. He enjoys it. So there's times where you just have to receive. It's not that you deserve it. You could have even failed. You could have even done a sin. And it's like, you know what? You don't deserve it, but I'm gonna give you mercy. I'm not gonna give you what you deserve, but on top of mercy, I'm gonna give you grace. I'm gonna give you things you don't even deserve, good things. And so this is, this is supposed to not be my sermon, but this is where we're headed. He loves giving good gifts and the enemy loves stealing it. Every good thing God gives you, the enemy, it's his purpose and desire in life to steal every good thing that's in your life. And I just feel like there's a thief and what is my response? Jesus comes to give, he comes to give us an abundance, he comes to give life, but we need a response. And man, I am messing up my whole sermon right now because I'm going out of order, but here's what we're supposed to do. Here's our response. You guys know this, James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There is something that we are supposed to resist. It's not that we're just children and it's our father's job to protect and we never get anything coming our way. It is his job to protect, but he wants us as kids to learn how to grow up and mature and learn how to fight. And so he says, it's your job to learn how to resist. You have a role in submitting to God and now resisting the devil. Here's what I kind of picture resisting the devil looking like. Um, there's times, because I, I, I want to give you three postures. And resisting, I, this is me. I'm not saying this is necessarily what God's word teaches. This is my understanding. This is Ryan's personal view. Resisting the devil, in my own personal life, I find myself resisting the devil when I actually have some strength. When I've actually spent time with God, I'm actually in a right relationship with him and I recognize when the devil's coming my way, I'm like, wait a second, no, you may not do that. This is mine and I resist you, right? I'm standing in a place of strength and health in life and I can resist the devil. That's kind of like the birds of the air. That when I see the birds coming, I'm like, get out of here. What are you doing? Like, I recognize the birds and I'm shooing them away. I'm in a place where I'm telling you, no, get out of here. Get away, get away. But then there's times where it's not just resisting. Somehow the enemy has come into my life. And I didn't recognize that at front. He's a deceiver. He's crafty. He came into my life. And as a weed, he's in my life and he's starting to choke. It started off this tiny little weed. Like I'm looking here. I didn't see it down here. But it starts growing and now it's choking. And now it's in a place I'm vulnerable. And it's in my life and it's choking me. That's where it's trying to kill me. And here's the, here's the response. Sometimes we need to resist. Sometimes I need to refuse. I need to refuse and say, no, I'm not going to die. No, I'm not going to lose this battle. I'm now in a struggle. Before I could just tell the birds to get away. But now this weed is in my life and I've got to do something to wrestle. In fact, as I say wrestle, I get this picture. I use my kids as examples, right? Benjamin, he did wrestling for the first time this last year. I never did like real wrestling. Like, of course I wrestled my friends and I wrestled as a boy, but I didn't understand all the rules. And so Benjamin went into wrestling and I'm watching like, what, what are you supposed to be doing? And in fact, his first match, I was the first match that I got to watch. He was great at standing up and the guy would come against him and he would throw the guy down. And then he was like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, he's down. How am I supposed to pin him? Like, and he would like be on the ground and like, he's looking at the coaches. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, there's points and there's things where you're supposed to pin their shoulders down. And so I'd watch him. He was great at taking the guy down, but then when he had no 
skill. He had no, um, he wasn't taught yet of how to fight. And so while he's on the ground wrestling, all of a sudden the opponent had more technique and the technique would, and he would flip over and now Benjamin's on his back. But what I loved about Benjamin, what I loved watching about him is he refused to be pinned. Even though he didn't have all the technique and all the experience and all this skill, he had this fight inside of him where he was on his back and to, to, if you, I don't know, in wrestling, to pin somebody, you get both shoulders down for three seconds and the whole match is over with, you lose. So the other guy is scoring points while he's on his back, but Benjamin is just refusing. I don't know what to do, but I'm just gonna squirm. I'm just gonna move my leg here. Like I'm not going to lose. He's in a fight and he's gonna refuse. There's times where I'm in a place of strength and I can resist the devil. There's times where I'm in a place where he's got the upper hand. There is a real battle going on in my life. And man, it seems like he's got more strength. He's got more technique. He knows my move before I even do it. He is winning everywhere I go, he's winning. But something within me, I refuse to lose to this enemy. I will resist him when I recognize him. And when he springs up and he's choking me, I refuse to die. I refuse. Third posture, right? This is now, this is my take. I learn how to resist him so I'm aware of where he's at. Then when he's in my life, I'm gonna wrestle and I refuse to die. I'm gonna learn how to grow, right? Consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. Knowing these trials, what? They, they produce endurance and endurance character and character hope and hope so the love of God can be shed abroad in your heart. There's this process. So it's amazing. The Lord doesn't send the, the weeds, that's the enemy. He wants to steal, kill, destroy. The enemy doesn't, Jesus does never steals anything from you. He'll take his hand of blessing, his hand. When we are not submitted to God, there's things where he's like, all right, well, I'll let the enemy have his way with you. And it's not God stealing things. Right? The story of Job, and I, got, I know I have another point I'm getting to, right? But the story of Job, too many times people in the church, they don't like the story of Job because they don't like that beginning, right? That God is the one that initiates the whole thing. Job is having a great, wonderful life all on his own and he's protected, right? And God is the one that talks to the devil, says, hey, devil, get over here. Have you ever considered my servant Job? Look at him. He serves me. He loves me. He worships me. I don't know if you catch it. God is the one that's picking the fight. It's not Satan. God is saying, all right, you, can have, you can't kill him, but I'll let you attack him I'll let you steal from him. I'll let you destroy things in his life, but you can't take his life, right? We don't like this, but the reality is God was the one picking the fight. I shared this phrase again. I, I stole it from T.D. Jakes and I'm gonna keep stealing it because it's so good. God didn't send Goliath to defeat David. He sent Goliath to reveal David. God didn't send Satan into Job's life to defeat Job. He sent Satan into Job's life to reveal Job. That's what he said. Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one else on the planet like him. He stands above the rest. But he says, all right, let's weak, you can weaken him. You can steal from him. You can destroy things from him. And he will still bless my name. He will still serve me. He will still love me and worship me. God was the one picking the fight to reveal who Job really was. And you get the end of the story. What happens? Job gets double everything that the enemy stole from him. I don't like this story when I don't have a full understanding. But when I get some more revelation, I love the story of Job. No one wants to invite the enemy into a fight 
But if God is saying, he looks at Ryan and says, oh, devil, try your best. That's Ryan. Go for it. He'll resist you. He'll, re he'll refuse to die. And the last one, Ryan's learning. I wish I could tell you this is a place because I have it all together. I don't. I am learning, and I feel like this is something that God wants to teach us. Learning how the third one, rebuke. So I, I told you, I picture the first one from the strength, a, a place of strength where I can resist the enemy. I'm telling you, birds, get out of here. You may not steal what God gave me. He gave me this promise. He gave me the word of God. He gave me this, and you may not steal it, and I'm shooing those birds away. Right? I need to learn how to resist. I need to learn how to refuse in the midst of the wrestle of that, that weed trying to choke me out. Third thing, you would think it'd be a place of weakness again, but actually a rebuke comes from a place of authority. I view it this way. I view a rebuke, these are just my analogies, as a place where I'm in a courtroom and the accuser of their brethren is accusing me and I've got Jesus as my advocate, as my lawyer, and he's defending me and I don't have to defend myself. Jesus is doing all the defending. And then a sentence is given. God the Father on the throne is the judge. He says, guilty, Satan, you are guilty. Now, Ryan, what do you want from him? Whatever he's stolen from you, what do you want back? And as a rebuke, it's not me just saying, get away from me, Satan, get away from me. It's not resisting. It's now standing from a place of victory and authority with a declaration made from the throne room of heaven saying, Ryan, you get to rebuke the devourer. You get to stand this place of strength. I'm not arguing with you. In fact, we gotta get to some scriptures about not arguing. I got way too many verses to get through in the next 10, 15 minutes, but let's get to some of them. All right, we talked about John 10, 10. All right, let's do, I'm gonna get to this place of rebuking, but let me, before I get there, I know I'm all over the place, but trust me, I'm all over the place on my message, what I have here. Proverbs 29, 24 says this. Proverbs 29, 24. You are your own worst enemy when you partner with a thief, for a curse of guilt will come upon you when you fail to report a crime. I don't know if you're catching this. Even the story of my wedding ring, right? You are your own worst enemy when you partner with a thief for a curse will come upon you when you fail to report a crime. So it's like, I don't know if you're understanding, the enemy, his purpose, he's roaming around, he's looking where he can steal things from you. And when he comes like a thief to steal from you and you don't report it, you're under that curse. I'm under a curse of not having my original wedding ring. I want to get out from underneath that curse. I'm reporting the crime. A thief came and stole my wedding ring. I'm telling my father, hey, I want my wedding ring back. There's a thief and it doesn't belong to him, it belongs to me. You gave me a wife and she gave me this wedding ring. I want it back. I'm reporting it. As I report it, I'm getting myself out from under that curse. Does that make it? I'm using that as an analogy. You apply it to your life. There's something that's been stolen from you. It can be a relationship. A friendship. It can be a job. Pastor Nick was saying jobs. It can be whatever it is. There's something where the enemy has stolen from you. Can I tell you, there's no one in this room, you're exempt, where you've never had anything stolen from you. Everyone in this room has had something stolen from us. Some of you, a whole lot of things have been stolen from you. I want us to have eyes to see where the enemy has stolen. And I want us to learn how to not only resist him in the future, but learn how to struggle with him and say, I refuse to let you keep that. That's mine. And now I'm gonna learn how to stand in this place of authority and I rebuke you. You may not have that. I come against you. I'm checking what you're doing, right? 
So this is idea. Proverbs. Um, let's see. I, I say in rebuke. I want to get back to rebuke, right? Let me find where that's at. I got lots of verses for rebuke, but let me find the one I'm looking for. Okay, we'll jump into this one. I have more around it. Uh, Jude 1.9. I think I have Jude 1.9. It says this. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. We'll stop there. I don't know if you're understanding this. When I read that, I was like, wait, what is going on here? But it's saying even the great archangel Michael, like there's no angel that has more authority and more power than Michael. Most scholars would believe that Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer were the three archangels that had a third of angels assigned to them, right? So Lucifer took a third of the angels with him when he disobeyed God, right? So in a sense, Michael and Lucifer would be equals. And it says in this scripture that even Michael, someone who has just as much authority as Satan himself, says that he's not getting in a debate with Satan. He's not accusing him. He's not gonna be the lawyer. He's not gonna go toe-to-toe, and say, yeah, you did that. And Satan said, yeah, but you did that. Yeah, but you did that. Yeah, but you did that. I'm not going to argue with you, Lucifer. In fact, let me just say it is. The Lord rebuke you. It's not my authority. Michael gets it. I'm under God Almighty's authority. I'm not going to fight against you on this level. No, I'm submitted to God, so I, the Lord rebuke you. There's something about where we can't get in an argument. It's not contending, and I feel like this is what the Lord is saying specifically to Ryan this morning, hopefully to someone else besides me, that I need to move beyond just being able to resist the devil. I need to learn to move beyond just refusing and learning to wrestle with all these things and arguing and fighting for myself and saying, no, I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm not going to argue with you, devil. I'm just going to stand back here, and I'm going to declare whatever Jesus says. He's my advocate. God the Father's on the throne. So whatever he says, that's what I'm going to rebuke you with. The Lord rebuke you. Not Ryan, the Lord rebuke you. There's something where I've got to learn how to stand in that place of authority, even when it still feels like I'm wrestling, where the enemy's trying to engage me in a wrestling match or to argue. I say, I'm not going to argue anymore. I'm not going to wrestle anymore. I'm just going to stand back out of the situation. I'm going to remove myself from the situation. I'm going to say, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. I'm gonna be careful. In some of my study this last week, there are some great, great leaders in the church that would disagree with me. They say that it's not our job to rebuke the devil. And they use this, the Lord rebuke you. And I don't wanna, I'm not trying to like put them down or say I'm better. Not all what I'm saying. I have to go off of what God's word says and I have to go off of my own experience. So I get their experience tells them that. Their interpretation of scripture tells them that. But when I read scripture, the Holy Spirit says, it is totally within, not only within, I'm commissioned to do it. I mean, go back to Genesis. Genesis, God gives his very first commission to humanity. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth and have dominion over it. There's something about where when God created humans in his own image, he says, I'm giving you authority. And with that authority, you are to take ground. You are to go and do something. It wasn't just supposed to be in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were supposed to fill the entire earth. They were supposed to subdue and have dominion over it all. And can I tell you the first thing, that, go back to Genesis, the first thing, the birds of the air. 
That's the first thing. Have dominion over what? The birds of the air, the beasts of the field. I could go through, like I could spend hours and go through the Old Testament and talk about how often the birds of the air and the beasts of the field are demonic. There's things, they're analogies, they're, they're metaphors. There's things that we are to have dominion and authority over from the very first commission, the very first word spoken to humanity is to have dominion and authority. Then what does Jesus do? The day he resurrects from the dead, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now I give you authority. Now I'm giving you my Holy Spirit who will endue you with power from on high. Yes, to preach the gospel, but to crush the deeds of darkness everywhere you go. That when Joshua went to the promised land, it says everywhere you go, the enemy is supposed to be under your feet. It's not a battle like this. It's saying, no, you're in a place of authority where he's under you. So there's this, I don't know where they read it. I don't know. I'm not trying to argue with you. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to use scripture. The Lord rebuke you, right? It's not my authority. It's his that he gave to me. And I'm going to wield it. In fact, I'll go there. We're giving analogies. When Jesus died on the cross, when all the weight of sin was put on him, and he said, Father, why? Why, right? Why have you forsaken me? Was his intimacy and full fellowship with his Father stolen? For all of eternity past, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, this blessed Trinity just enjoying fellowship with each other. And on that moment on the cross, that fellowship, that intimacy was stolen from Jesus. When Jesus cried out with his last voice and says, it is finished and breathed his last breath, was Jesus' physical body, was he killed? Something was stolen, something was killed. As he was put in the grave and the stone rolled were the disciples, his best friends, was all their hopes and dreams, were they destroyed? Yes. That was the reality of that moment. But praise God, we have a greater reality. Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He resurrected from the grave. And what does that mean? It means that what the enemy stole in Genesis chapter 3, Jesus on the cross returned to us, gave us back fellowship with the Father, where there was separation because of sin. He says, no, now I ripped the veil. My spirit can be with you. Now God can dwell with man and men can dwell with God. Now you can be the temple of the living God. What the enemy had stolen, Jesus says, I return to you. Where it says that Jesus experienced death, I love the verse. It says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? For life has swallowed up death. So yes, the reality was Jesus died. The enemy seemed to be winning. He was stealing, he was killing, he was destroying. But the greater reality was Jesus was returning. Jesus was bringing life and Jesus was building the kingdom of God. He was restoring hope to all of humanity. He says, I don't care, the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build the church, right? So it seems like the enemy, when I look at America and I look at the way things are going in our culture and society, it looks like the enemy is stealing things left and right. It looks like he's killing. There's a death sentence on things. It looks like everything's being destroyed. But I have this greater reality. Wait a second. Jesus says that he comes to give us life and give it more abundantly. And whatever the enemy has a plan, Jesus' plan is even greater. Before the enemy even had a plan, Jesus already had an answer. 
Every plan the enemy comes up with, Jesus is laughing, saying, I already have an answer for that. Before you even came up with that plan, he's laughing. It says in Psalm chapter 2, the, it says the Godhead, they laugh. He's laughing at the enemy. I'm telling you, like, like a pawn, Jesus is using the enemy like a pawn. Every time in a chess match, it's like every time the enemy moves a piece, the Godhead is like, I already knew you were going to do that before you moved it. And I've already got this, this, this all. It's all you are just playing into my hand. And this is the posture that I want us to learn, that it's not just resisting. We're not just in a place where, ah, the enemy's attacking me. I'm a victim. Just help me learn how to resist him and tell him to get away. Yes, that's a posture I should learn. He is an enemy. He is attacking. And I want to learn how to resist him. I want to learn how to fight. But I want to learn how not just to resist and fight, but actually stand in a place of victory and authority and saying, I'm not even going to battle. This is not my battle. This battle that's going on, it's not my battle. In fact, even Psalm 23, I could go through all these things, right? In the beginning of Psalm chapter 23, what is David saying? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Oh, man, the enemy comes to try to attack me. I'm in a place of strength. I have everything I need. Get out of here, enemy. You can't have that. I've, even if you stole something, I have so much, it doesn't matter, right? That's the beginning of Psalm 23. But then it says, yea, though I walk through a valley, the shadow of death. Now it seems like the enemy is right there and the battle is right before him. He's weak, he's weary. David, if David went through this, right? David who beat Goliath, you would think he would just live the rest of his life that way. But read all the Psalms. His very own son was trying to kill him. Not just King Saul, right? David's life was a struggle. And he was in those valleys where it seemed like, ah, oh, and he was wrestling. But then there's got to be a place like Psalm 23, but even in the presence of my enemies, you put a banqueting table before me. And I don't have to rebuke. I don't have to do anything. I just sit here and I enjoy your presence and I receive all that you have for me. And I'm just banqueting all that you give me. And enemy, you have to watch. And in fact, I rebuke his enemies around me. It's so that I get to rebuke him and he has to give back to me a double portion of everything he stole. Amen. So there's verses. I got to read them. There's verses about this. Um, Oh, man. Malachi 3.11. Then I will, rebuke, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor will the vine in the field prove fruitless to you, says the Lord of armies, right? The God of angel armies says he'll rebuke. Okay, really quick, mini teaching inside that one. Malachi chapters one, God is rebuking his children. Submit to God. That's the first posture. God is rebuking his children. He's saying, Wait a second, you're bringing tithe and offerings and all the tithe and offerings I see, they're blemished. You're bringing me the, the lamb, it's supposed to be the firstborn, the, the unblemished lamb, and you're bringing me the leftovers. You're bringing me the sick and the lame and the one that's missing a leg. Like, I don't want that. My, my word says I get the best. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek him first, then all the other things get added to you. And he's saying, I'm rebuking you because you're not seeking me first. Malachi chapter two, he's talking to all the leaders now. I'm rebuking all the teachers. You're leading them astray. You're teaching them to live a comfortable life. You're teaching them that it's not a struggle. Actually, in this world, you'll have many trials and tribulations. If it happened to me, it's gonna happen to you, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, right? So he's rebuking the teachers. He's saying you're teaching them a, a false doctrine. He's rebuking them. In Malachi chapter three, in the beginning, he's now rebuking everyone. He's saying, you guys aren't tithing. You're robbing me of what's mine. And then it finally gets to verse 11. He's done rebuking. They are listening to him. They're coming under. They're submitting themselves to God. And now he says, because you submit yourself, because you receive my correction, because you're under my authority, 
I will rebuke the devourer for your name's sake. So I hope you hear me. I'm not just saying you need to learn how to just rebuke the devil and you don't have to do anything. It's all the God's. No, we need to learn how to submit to God. We need to learn how to come under his rebuke first. And then you have authority. You have the ability to say, wait a second, I'm rightly related to God. I'm his child. I'm his heir. Now I know that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives and dwells in me. I'm comfortable with that. Now I can rebuke the devourer. All right, that was a mini message within a message. Oh, there's more. Oh, which one do I want to go to? All right, I'm going to do that. I got so many things, I'm not even going to do that because we got to land this plane and I want there some time for some ministry. So, yeah, worship team, you can come on up even. Hmm. Okay, I... I th- I could be wrong. Maybe you guys are 100% tracking the Holy Spirit is making all the connections, but this is just what I feel like. I feel like I'm kind of giving a, a good message, but my goal, my prayer all week was not to give a good message. My prayer was that somehow the Holy Spirit would change things in our lives. Even if I look like a fool up here, I could care less as long as Holy Spirit's doing something inside of us. So one of the things as I was praying and envisioning this, this morning's service Even as Nick, I think he was catching the Holy Spirit during worship. There's things that have been stolen from us, specific things that the enemy has stolen that we need to have eyes to see. I'm not going to partner with that thief. I'm going to report the crime. Today's a day I'm going to report the crime, and I'm shifting, right? Like I talked about my wedding ring. Something shifted and changed in that moment. Something needs to shift and change in your situation. And it's not necessarily the situation maybe today. It's your attitude. It's your thinking. It's your prayer. It's your hope. Okay, this theme came to my mind too. I said this is the year of family. Really quick. Ah. It's one of those things like when you say, don't think of a pink elephant, then you think of a pink elephant. You ever heard that before? I'm going to tell you, don't try to figure out who it is, but now you're going to try to figure out who it is. So it's like, I just want to give you some super quick testimonies. Just a few weeks ago, standing right here, there was a daughter who for a long time had bitterness towards her parents. And I'm telling you right here, in a moment, one more example. This daughter, if the mom came anywhere close and tried to put a hand on the shoulder, the daughter would move out of the way. I I don't want anything to do with you. But in this moment, I saw relationship being returned. I saw healing. This daughter began to weep and cry and began to say, I forgive you and will you forgive me? And there was this hug and this embrace and tears just flowing. The hard heart changed in a moment. I'm giving you that testimony because I'm believing there's something else in a family relationship that's been stolen. And I'm telling you what God did here, he can do again. I can keep going down the line of more and more testimonies. There was someone this past week that attends this church, they are on their way out. They were on their way of leaving this church and something changed this last week. And now there's vision and purpose and a desire to get more connected than ever. I'm telling you, these are things that God is changing things where the enemy was trying to steal people from our family. People is trying, he's trying to destroy things. God is saying today's a day where he wants the enemy found out, where he wants his people to stand up and say, I see what the enemy's doing and I'm gonna shoo those birds away. He may not steal anymore. 
I feel like I'm being pinned down. I don't even know I have strength anymore. But like Benjamin, I'm going to do something. I'm say, I refuse to die. I refuse to let this get the best of me. And I want the wisdom to know how to say, I don't want to just walk and not grow weary. I want to learn how to soar on wings like eagles. I want to know how to get out of this struggle and get to a higher place where I can just look down on it and declare the word of the Lord over it. Whether this is one of you or it's all of you, I'm going to have you, I'm going to give you more than one opportunity. If this morning, like I said, my eyes were open that I needed to start resisting the devil about my own wedding ring. I'm just giving you a, a practical example. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you that there's something in your life that's been stolen and today God is talking to you that you need to not partner with a thief, but you need to report the crime. And if that's very specific in your life, would you just stand, whether it's one of you or none of you, I just feel like I'm supposed to give that opportunity. Amen. I'm gonna say a quick prayer over you. God, I thank you that you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear. Holy Spirit, I pray this would be a profound moment. This would not just be a good teaching, God, but things would shift and change, that their posture would change, God, to see where the enemy is at work, that they would have wisdom. God, I pray for the gift of discerning spirits. They would have the gift of the Holy Spirit to discern that is a devil, that is a demon, and I will resist you. I will not allow you to steal from me anymore. So God, I pray for wisdom, and I pray for a power and authority to come over their life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. It can be you again if you want. But if you feel like you're in that other posture, there's something going on in your life, and it's that weed that has grown up, and it is choking you. It's choking the joy out of your life, the peace out of your life. There's something that God has given you and you realize you don't have it in full measure right now. And you are just the life of you of whatever that is being choked out. And something God is telling you today is a day where you learn how to refuse. You're changing your posture. I will not, you're making a declaration today. I will not die. I refuse to give in in this situation. If that's you, would you just stand? God, I thank you that your word promises that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. That it's not by my might, it's not by my power, it's by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that I don't have to muster up more strength. I get to cry out, Jesus, you're my advocate. I trust you to plead my case. I'm not gonna argue anymore. I trust you, Jesus, to win this battle. That the devil is accusing, he's beating me up, but I am no longer the tail. From this moment on, I am the head, I am not the tail. I choose to recognize that you are for me, God, and you're not against me. And God, if you are for me, who could ever be against me? I recognize like Michael the archangel. I will learn to say, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. I'm not meant to fight this battle on my own. This yoke is not mine. I lay it down. Jesus, you said your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. So I choose in this moment to take on your position. I am partnered with you. 
Wherever you lead, I will follow. And wherever the enemy speaks a lie, I cancel his assignment. Like a weed trying to steal and destroy and choke out, I choose to silence and rebuke the devourer. And I speak your promise. I speak your words of life. God, I believe you are doing something in the heavenly realms right now. You're shifting and you're changing things, God. You're not just making me feel better. God, you are changing what's going on in the, the heavenly realms. The enemy who cursed me, he is now the cursed. Jesus, your word says that you took on a curse. Anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. So you took the curse so that I am no longer cursed. I am free from the law of sin and death. I am free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I put my faith and my hope in your promise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Would the rest of you stand as we sing one last worship song? And if you need prayer for anything, I'm just gonna have a leadership team up here. If you want more prayer where you already got prayer for, we just wanna pray for you. If you're sick, we wanna declare that you're healed in Jesus' name. If you need a job and you want wisdom, we wanna pray over that. Whatever it is, you want more prayer, it's available for you. Is that, is that understood? Just worship the Lord and we'll close service after this worship song. Lord bless you. Yes, Lord, the battles, the Almighty fortress.